0: Welcome to Design Meets Business, a show where design leaders talk about practical ways to quantify design, about making our work more transparent, and about how designers can make a bigger impact in their organization. I'm your host, Christian Vasile. And before we begin, I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. On the show today, we've got David Standen, Senior UX Manager at Shopify you'll hear an awesome conversation about experimentation, building trust with your team, and how David's background as an entrepreneur helped him become a better designer. I hope you enjoy the conversation. David, welcome to Design Meets Business. I'm so excited to have you on today because one of the, the aspects about your career that I've noticed is that, uh, you know, not only it spans, you know, almost two decades, but you have a lot of experience there that's intertwined with Ventures that you've started on your own, and then design at the highest level so there's a there's some entrepreneurship there's some design and and when it came to talk about that intersection of design and business, I thought you are the right person to bring on so thanks for thanks for coming on. appreciate it before you spread your knowledge on us, maybe you want to give us a bit a a bit of a quick rundown of uh, of what brought you. To, well now, to shopify, but also you know where you 've been beforehand, and then we can go on from there that sounds great sounds great thanks so much for inviting
1: me onto the uh, onto the show it's definitely i think a a chord that 's kind of struck with me, and I think you're on a really really interesting theme so yeah, very much happy to contribute and uh, be a part of something so it's uh, yeah let's see let 's see where things go um yeah a bit bit of a quick rundown from me so i i 'm a uh, kind of a UX leader at Shopify, been there for just under a year now, possibly, uh, and I focus in the money sector. But kind of just a bit of a backstory, um, I've had quite a varied career. Um, I've consulted, freelanced, had quite a mix of uh, variety of work. And I think that's kind of really helped me you know, find my feet, you know, give me a sense of who I am and what really makes me tick. I ventured into starting my own business, which was a dating app. Uh, so I got very close to commercials um, and very much around, you know, the function of a business. Also started, um, you know, being part of a founding team, which was a borough in, in the mortgages sector. Um, and so, you know, naturally I've found myself leading more towards business. And, and actually I think where I found my feet is fintech um and i think one of the last companies in the credit card industry was was you know i think one of the key key moments really that's really helped me connect business and design together because i think that commercial aspect of things really helps pull the best out of design and make things as impactful as possible so
0: yeah, you, you talk about impact, and one of the <clears throat> sentences or the way you introduce yourself on your own website. See, I, see, I did my research. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, you're, you're, and I'm going to quote you. You're saying, uh, you know, right. I'm passionate about measuring the impact of design using design metrics, learning from feedback, task completion rate, conversion rate, time and cost efficiencies to demonstrate business return on investment. And to me whenever i look at uh, portfolios today it's all about here's the latest design that i worked on here's the latest app uh, you know we've been app of the year whatever but very rarely you get to see an introduction like this which focuses on the business roi on on kpis l- even less so from designers right it's, you can you can find that from product managers um, you know people people in in, in s- similar roles but very rarely from designers so Let's unpack that a little bit. How have you found that mentality and an interest in business KPIs? How have you found that help you as a designer and bring you to where you are right now?
1: I think, I'm, I mean, it's probably it's been a natural course of my, my own journey, really, I think. It's, um, in terms of like the measurement of return on investment, I think one of the key things for me is you know, how do you demonstrate the success of your work? But I think if you kind of go even a little bit deeper, how does a designer feel rewarded uh, through the work that they do? Some some designers love the aesthetic side of things. Other designers, you know, especially in product, want to be able to see the impact the work has. And I think what's really important is is having a, almost like a bit of a a sense of structure to be able to help people come on that journey with you. And I think, it's, you know, that's what I have found in, in the past is if design works in isolation, um, you end up having almost like moments of trying to try and catch people up on the the decisions that you've made throughout journeys. And and I think what's really important is that people, if people come together and they come on the same journey as a designer would and make the decisions and understand the decisions and how they're made. That generally... Helps design succeed much better, and it it's then much easier to to demonstrate the return on investment or the impact that a design has because they're all part of that same journey. And I think that's that kind of what I've learned is trying to kind of communicate um, with with business leaders, strategists, right, and and talk the same language. And I think that's kind of a bit of a skill I've probably picked up over time. You know, it doesn't always doesn't happen overnight, and you know, it, actually, generally. You know, pe- people are quite sceptical of design. They think it's quite a risky thing. If you're going to run an experiment, isn't this going to be a bit of a risky thing for the commercial side of things? But I think, the, you know, kind of connecting it back to the journey, if there's a way to kind of take people on a bit of a path, uh, get on the same page, be honest about the things you're trying to achieve generally helps build you know trust with all of these different teams and kind of tries to center things a bit more around the objective things of what you're trying to do hopefully that kind of unpacks
0: a little bit of it but do prompt me a little bit more (laughs) yeah it it unpacks quite a bit it it unpacks enough so that we can continue the conversation so that's good (laughs) something you mentioned there which i am a i I talk about it all the time but you've mentioned that trust is a important component of even of you being able to do your work properly, because if you don't have trust in the team or the team doesn't have trust in you, they're not going to be so open to trying out some of these experiments or they, they might not believe in your idea. So I joined a company today. How do I build that trust? Because trust takes time and it's not hard. It's not easy to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's, it's it's not something that literally happens straight away. You know, it's not you you join them one day, and you you almost need to build that trust in time and demonstrate that uh, little by little. And it's tra- it's almost like trying to find the right places to be able to demonstrate the the kind of impact to then demonstrate the trust, um, and and finding the right places to to kind of measure your work and make it visible to the rest of the rest of the business. Right. So I think it's it's very much <clears throat> it's design you know can sometimes be quite can be quite closed if you if you're working quite passionately into one 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 piece of work but i think it's really important to be really really open have open conversations and for have and be really transparent about what you're trying to affect in 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 your work right so i think if if things don't necessarily pan out it's not an embarrassment it's a it's a learning opportunity talking about failure is probably one of the most important things because if you're measuring design you're trying to for example improve the conversion funnel you're looking for a failure so let's talk about those failures it's one of those things that you need to talk about to be able to know how to make a difference or make a change to make an improvement so that that kind of trust it, it does come in time but you're slowly starting to build momentum as well across teams and so by Helping people understand the decisions, helping people actually come on the same journey, have those kind of joined up conversations, helps move things forward, really. Um, And I think, again, when I guess working with different teams, let's say maybe you have strategy teams in your organization, it's very important to think more kind of pragmatically about design than than the the almost like you know the the surface level of a redesign you know really go into what are the objectives that you're trying to achieve maybe even talk about the assumptions that the team may have already had um, and try to form a bit of a a kind of a consensus in terms of how you want to move forward and, and and tackle the problem right and have a I call them experiments, right? but some businesses don't even like experiments because so, it sounds really risky. Um, so you don't, don't even call it an experiment. Try and move into a, a kind of a move the conversation into almost like, hey, we're trying to improve things, but we're trying to find opportunities to learn um, and trying to find ways in terms of how we can show the commercial growth of an improvement or even the operational savings. We're trying to, you know, there's two sides of design and, and it's very rare that you get to dig into those those metrics and, and see how you can affect all the different parts of the organization. Um, yeah, so it's, it's very much around a clear, trying to tell a clear story that helps people come along that same journey, really.
0: I find that it's slightly easier to do that when you join an organization that's maybe a bit more, maybe a bit larger, or they already have KPIs in place and they already know what they want from design and they hire designers for a specific problem to solve or set of problems. So that's all good and well. I think where a lot of designers are struggling is when maybe they're the first hire in a company, or maybe they join a company that hasn't yet fully bought into design. Therefore, there are no metrics coming from above, so to speak, as to what you need to improve. So then the challenge becomes, I have this product that I need to improve. All it's been told to me is that I need to make it better, but from you need to make it better to here's the actual impact that I can have on this business by changing the product in specific ways is a very long, long way. And I feel that if you're a bit less experienced, you might not necessarily know, well, how do I get to those metrics? All I know is that I need to improve this product. Metrics, what are those, what metrics, what are we talking about? And I think that's where it becomes really important for a designer to have a conversation or several conversations with people around the business, not necessarily only within your little product team, but could be people from marketing, could be just truly anyone, everyone in the company works to improve a specific, a specific area of that company. And the more you talk to people around, the more you can start joining up all these quote-unquote problems that everyone has and see how you can solve them through design. So something that I've, I've, something I do every single time, whenever I join a new company is I go and speak to people around the business, not so much about design, but just about what's important to them. What are the metrics you need to hit as a product manager or, or what's important to you as a developer and then figure out you as a designer, not only through your design work, but also through who you are and how you work on a daily basis. How can you help them achieve their goals? And I find that that builds a lot of trust as well, which obviously becomes very helpful later on when you need a developer to do a bit of work on the weekend for you or, to, you know, all, all that stuff, right? Yeah, it's all about getting on
1: the same page, you know? Um, and, and, and totally just, you know, really off the back of where, where you were. I think what is important is understanding all of those core metrics. So like, if you are going to talk to a marketing team, Yeah, one of the core core metrics for them will be, what is the acquisition? What is, you know, what's that? That's our core metric, how many people are coming through, right? Um, More product teams may look at adoption. So how many people are using the new features that we've done? How are we able to activate those customers coming in from a marketing team? And then going further, it's like, you know, how, how are those users sticking around? So what's the retention Rate of, of those users that are, users that are coming in are they are they using the, using the product again are they spending more money and then that leads to referral are they are they using it so much to the point that they're excited enough to share it with somebody else and that becomes um you know the organic referral that you, you know every every company wants to kind of achieve and that may lead to some form of incentive but then I think connecting design to all of the core metrics you know design fits into all of these different spaces I think it's the it's kind of it's the outside kind of or or even just the the per, the peripheral metrics that kind of sit into all of these almost the in-betweens of all of these different aspects so for example i don't know if a signal would be around around adoption you may have a kind of a feedback loop that comes all the way back from a call center and you've got lots of complaints and frustrations and how you're capturing all of those different signals to help you understand there's a point in that part of the the metric that you can affect and you can go and you can dig into it, you can find out what's happening. So you may have lots of different signals around UX. It could be behavioral frustrations that you can actually use to help frame the thing that you're trying to achieve, right? You've got task completion rates that you may want to... You go really you know it 's all around how efficient is it that how easy is it that you're trying the experience that you're trying to create also also looking at the failure rates, what are those key failure points within an acquisition funnel to then help you dig in further to 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 say oh this there's, there's maybe some maybe we're saying the wrong thing it's not leading them to the next step or whatever it might be there's lots of kind of key signals that help you as a designer fill in the gaps, and I think that's kind of quite quite an interesting thing to dig into because actually businesses do very much sit on that the the core metrics and I think it's finding that way the mechanic of being able to kind of connect design into those conversations that becomes really really important so you know overall the feedback loop for design you you know feedback fuels design it also helps fuel design will fuel the business so that the the wider feedback loops are really really important but also kind of the really micro feedback loops are super important because they're really they really help other teams understand the, the the nuances that design goes after to then say, actually, a small change here is a big, big uplift here. And it's very hard. to It's hard to be in those conversations. And I think, like we were talking before, it takes a lot of time to build the trust, to be able to get into those, you know, smaller conversations and digging into metrics and looking at dashboards, you know, to be in those conversations together. It's, you know, it just takes time. You've got to be slow. You've got to be patient. And, and, you know, depending on how long you've been in the industry, um, (laughs) you know, patience is key and and it will unlock doors.
0: For sure. I think it's, it's, you said something interesting there. You know, it takes time to become part of those discussions. And that certainly is my experience whenever you join a company that hasn't necessarily bought into the power of design just yet. It takes time to, as we said earlier, build that trust. Yeah but it also takes time the moment you are in those conversations to get up to speed with what a lot of those conversations mean and what, what's a KPI and what is a time completion rate and what are, what's an ENPS score? What are all these things that when you are a bit early in your career, you haven't necessarily heard about that much. School doesn't yeah. really teach that. Yeah. We're starting as an industry to talk about it, but we haven't, we're not really there yet. So the moment you are in those conversations How do you get from not understanding anything at all to starting to be able to juggle all these metrics and and know, you know, if I do this in the product, it will affect that metric. If I do this, it will affect that metric. How do you get there? It's all about asking the right questions, or you're just asking silly
1: questions to start with, right? You know, don't don't be afraid to be (laughs) to say the wrong thing, and you know it's it's fine. You know, businesses they operate with a certain cadence, and sometimes you know when you're new, you're you're trying to get up to speed. But I think you've got a good excuse there. You know, you're getting up to speed, or you've never heard of this abbreviation before. Because I mean, I don't know how many companies that I've been in that have got so many crazy abbreviations. Just ask what what does that abbreviation mean? You know, what's the acronym? What is it? what is it all about um and how you know how do you measure that is also a really great question to ask a you know a strategy team that's that's very very focused on measuring impact right and, and measuring you know let's say the commercial growth of a business um it's good because that question actually helps other people open up Right, and, and actually be more inclined to talk about themselves and the job that they're passionate about. Um, you need you just, it's just you know finding a great way to communicate and helping people open up to tell their own story is probably a really good way to just start a conversation anyway. And that will also signal you know that you're trying to get to know them, you're getting to understand the business, how they work, how you, you know, you've even got opportunities in terms of how you can help them in the role. Yeah, it's, I mean, and, and the same with products. You know, it's product can sometimes be quick can be quite blinkered, but actually. You know, dig, digging digging in deeper to say, actually, the key question that we're asking here may be the wrong thing we're focusing on. And I think we may have an opportunity to to look at it from a different angle. And, and you know, and we were talking initially about experiments, Is, is are there opportunities to run experiments and, and try and hit the same objective, but from a slightly different angle? I think we're all, all important conversations. And I think that's that's the kind of conversation you, you, you need to try and fight, find your way in to be able to, you know, even say, hey, you have an idea, so do I. I think we're trying to hit the same objective here. But also even the idea <laughs> um can always can always I think people feel quite precious, especially when everybody's in in this sense of like everyone's trying to make an impact, everyone's trying to make an impression. But actually, as a team, it's not it's not yourself, but it should be the team that comes together and aligns. Um, and that that's how as a team you're probably going to make a bigger impact overall. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. Yeah, it takes it, you know going back to the time thing. Things
0: take time, and I think it's got to be exceptionally. Patient. They do say design is a team sport, isn't that? What it they is. what so? It definitely is. Yeah, you know, it really is. I want to talk about the experimenting for a second. But before that, I just want to touch briefly upon the previous point and say that Mm. in my experience, whenever you go to talk to people who have a really good grasp on data, so that could be a product analyst, that could be an analytics team, depending how your company or your organization is structured. But And this could just be a personal experience, personal opinion, but I find that very rarely people want to talk to them about their work because they find numbers and and all of that boring. And I find that whenever you go and talk to them, they are so open to sharing everything they know, and they can truly become one of your allies um, in a way, if you want to think of it like that, because suddenly someone shows interest in numbers and data, which is their day-to-day, right? So again, all about building trust, all about opening up conversations that we're not having um, enough of. I'd like to argue. And then as soon as you start doing that, you'll find that people will be much more open towards working with you and also much more open to follow some of your hunches, some of your gut decisions.
1: Yeah. Be more open to try, try something from a slightly different perspective, which you've got to remember, they may have been sat on certain assumptions for years and they're very, they could be really keen to move something forward because Their initial assumption may not have been aligned with the an overall company objective. So you know there are probably opportunities where you can support existing assumptions, but actually by doing that, will create the space for something for you you to be able to try something new out in the future. So it's you know you've got to be patient, you've got to got to be (laughs) got to be careful at the same time, but you know be supportive. Right, it's it's a two way
0: conversation. At the end of the day, when you're having with different teams. Yeah, and I think this brings it back full circle to my initial question, which was, well, how do you get the numbers to work with? And I think if you do build those relationships and connections, those numbers, people will bring the numbers to you, especially around analytics and, and, and you know, data engineers and all of that. Everyone who has anything to do with numbers, if as soon as you open up conversations, they will bring numbers to you and say, hey, this this version that we just launched two weeks ago, it's just improved metric A by 2%. That's awesome. Then you start building on that. Yeah. I want to talk about experimenting because you mentioned experimenting a few times. You also wrote a really cool article about experiment maps, uh, which I I did like it. And uh, I'm not sure whether that's going to make sense uh, on the audio because uh, there are a couple of uh, images in the article, uh, which we'll link in the show notes for everyone else. But uh, it made a lot of sense to to me when I could see it. But yeah, try to explain it if you can, because I thought, I thought, hey, here's, here's a really interesting approach to experimenting. We all know experimenting. We all understand what it is. But I I thought that the way you thought about it was a bit more structured. And um, maybe maybe we can try to talk about it now, see if anyone else could find it beneficial.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, yeah, the they're, they're, they're called a lean experiment map. I've kind of simplified it to the point where you know, maybe if if companies don't like the idea of an experiment, then you call it something different, right? It's just it's ma- mapping mapping the work that you do, and it's something I, I I kind of fell in love with. It fell in love with when I was at Burrow, um, it, which was a startup. You're trying to build a, a zero to one product, very very different in terms of how you're trying to kind of get things done. But it's very focused on output. But also, you want to see if the products are working, right? That's the key thing. So if you ship. You want to see if it's working, so you you know you you should be forcing the measure of whether something that you've shipped is, is is actually working. That's all around kind of finding product market fit. But you can actually apply the same thinking and kind of measuring with let's say optimization. So it's it the approach is very much trying to you know should have a key question overall that you're trying to affect so or, or try and create the answer to, uh, but also building out. You know maybe some assumptions that can help f- fix the question or or answer the question so a good example of a question uh might be you know it's quite high level you know what can we do to to increase um the conversion rate of, a, of an acquisition funnel. Just a simple example, right? Um, and then obviously, with that, your mind floods with lots of assumptions. Oh, we could do that. We could do this. could do this. And, so, you know, that that's not just your thoughts. It's everybody else's thoughts as well. So it's, you know, bringing all these ideas to the table and, and trying to frame all of those assumptions and put them into a hypothesis. So, you know, if we do this, then this is going to happen. And you can actually if you're if you, on acquisition, if you want to understand how many people are coming through, you can see how many people are coming through the, tunnel, the funnel and, and, and drop off and et cetera, et cetera. So it, by creating a kind of a hypothesis of all of these assumptions it actually helps center the conversation. You can then start to know how you're going to approach the problem that you're going after and also help design experiments for that or maybe trying to drive an expected behavior. You want to make sure that acquisition funnel is going to get more people through so in the experience you may look at the language on the page you may want to look at the pl- placements of uh, the forms or shortening forms lots of different things but you're trying to drive the expected behavior of getting people to click submit for an application form and then you want to really look at once you've got all of these hypotheses or lots of kind of focus areas start to think about what is a kind of an achievable target because i, re- I really believe by putting a commitment on your own work is a really, really important thing to do because you're putting, you know, you're really kind of making a make making a stance. This is this is what I believe in, or as a team we believe in. And that as a commitment, as a metric, so let's say you know, we want to create a five percent uplift within this acquisition funnel. That five percent is worth a lot of money to the business. And that five percent helps to open up the commercial conversations. And when other people will hear about this five percent, they'll be like, "Wow, that that's quite that's worth quite a lot to the business."
0: And it, it, it gets starts, people interested. It, doesn't it. It, it
1: gets people interested. It pulls people through, and and so that that's kind of a really really good thing to do. Not only that, you start to build team momentum. People come together because of that one commitment. We're doing this because we really believe in this, right? And. Naturally, we need to think about whatever it is that we are trying, trying to do, it's not going to cost much for the business, i.e. so it's, you know, low effort, because I think that's always going to be a thing that needs to be kind of balanced, but also it should be something that's not necessarily um, too maximum, like time-wise, it shouldn't take too long to achieve it. We should be also trying to be as efficient and, and, and drive things as, through as quickly as possible, just so that we're able to kind of react off the back of it very quickly. Um, then once it's built, you know you can start to look at the measurement of things. So you want to make sure that you've got event tracking in place. Uh, you want to understand where within the forms there could be potential dropout. You want to really make sure that you're digging into all of the core metrics to just understand that if, if you're going to set up a goal, for example, in, in, in an al- analytics tool, you can understand how the, the pages are kind of converting from one page to the next or from one field to the next, it depends how granular you really want to go in terms of tracking, uh, but it's really important to 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 have that um, from from the outset because retrospectively going back, you're only going to have that point of when you put the when you put the measuring in as a point of measure. So, which is really really important. So, you could always benchmark as well before, right? Before you even run the experiment. So, just having some core cool metrics which help you understand how the improvement can be demonstrated is also really really good. And then actually this what's really important is, is, is having uh, a, a kind of conversation together with teams, right? You come together as a team and it, there's no point in one person just looking at the dashboard and saying, okay, I've had a look at the dashboard. This is what it means. Um, but that's somebody else's interpretation. What's really important is being together um and 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 interpreting interpreting it in the room right one person's interpretation could be so different to your interpretation when you're looking at the experience and i think that that's very important to see the results from one shared perspective because not only that you're starting to build the trust by just having the conversation right so again open conversation being transparent with how things went and even if it went Badly as as an experiment, even if the changes you made in the acquisition funnel um, have created drop off, you know earlier on in the funnel, okay, that's a really good signal. Go back to it, fix it. That's the next iteration of your of your experiment, right? You're trying one thing, and the idea is that when you if you can get to the end. Um, of your learning and you start to agree what the next steps might be you can then decide okay there was a failure in that last experiment that we ran we should probably try something new let's try something new move on to the next experiment and have a, another core focus of let's say the the language that we used might not be um, very good or it might not be very clear to the user that they need to take the next step and that's what's caused the drop-off in the early stage fix that And then you can start to see actually incrementally, you're starting starting to make that impact over time. And that's how the journey starts, right? You're taking people on this journey of one one incremental step to the next and to the next. And all of those small things add up, you know. And so let's say if you ran three experiments consecutively, small improvements, that will add up to a significant Uh, growth impact, right, that the commercial team would look at and go over time and go, wow, that's, that's maybe worth, could be 2 million over two years, right? But it's that it's been having, by being able to take that measure, initial kind of um, commitment that you made in the beginning to be able to start to open the conversation with the commercial teams. And this, this is a, a transparent way of being able to allow the people to follow along at the same time dip in and and have almost like open meetings that people can kind of come into. It's generally just trying to keep keep the conversation going, right? And and attract people to the work that you're doing. So hopefully, slowly by slowly, you can start to build the momentum
0: um, in your teams and help people follow along. I find one of the, what's interesting about this is that it's kind of a loop. So you finish one experiment and in that experiment, you've learned something that you can then use as a hypothesis in the next experiment, and exactly. then you finish that experiment and and you use the next one. So in this way, you will always have some sort of an experiment to run because there will always be failures in smaller in in experiments. You'll I mean very rarely you, will you manage you're never to, going to get, it right, all the get time. it right. Exactly, yeah. And if you I think are you're that... an absolute wizard, <laughs> right? And and you're, you're hiring at the moment, aren't you? So if you are just. <laughs> Yeah, do, I do, do I send, do, send, send me a message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there will be failures. And then you this, this framework allows you to build upon the previous experiment. I also think it's important as part of that conversation with the wider team. Sometimes you run experiments and the result is maybe good or maybe not so good. And then you just move on straight to the next piece of work rather than saying, hey, We've spent two weeks doing this. Let's share in the name of transparency with everyone what it is we're doing here, whether it's been successful or not, because that also helps build trust and and trust through transparency, I would say. And over time, as you've said, people will start thinking of design as a business function more so than an artistic function or, hey, look, this looks great. Even if every once in a while you come with a negative result from an experiment, in people's minds you will become more of a scientist because you're doing experiments, right? You'll, you'll become someone more reliant on numbers than subjective opinions. Yeah, and it's a, it's a great way to, to keep the conversation
1: centred around the evidence, right? You're, you're, if you can try and keep an objective sense in the room or the people that you're having conversations with. And so that honesty of talking about failures also feeds into the objective way of of speaking about the work that you're doing so it yeah it's there's always a balance that needs to be struck between objective being objective and subjective, but also you need to kind of balance different different people's perceptions of design and you know the, your your opinion of design may be more kind of pragmatic versus some someone's idealistic view of being really subjective it's all around trying to avoid all of those traps really. And this hopefully as a framework will really help people move into that continuous improvement mode <clears throat> so you're having these constant feedback loops constant measures, and actually as a as a way to help fuel progression in 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 an organization that's the best way to tell a story right you're you're building momentum the the experiments that you're running are Failing, but you're having more successes than failures um, are all good messages that you know, as, as a business that they, they will start to understand what really design does to, to the business and, and how closely it actually is aligned to change, right? You, you know, design, design is a real change maker in a business. Um, and I think that's super important to recognize. And the, the relationship between design and businesses is actually much closer than what people really feel. Or, or believe because you, you just have to look at it from if you're starting it needs a lot of design to get off the ground
0: one of the experiences that i had in the past that i was thinking about is you were talking about transparency and and connect having uh you know conversations with everyone in the team and design being a change maker i remember a few years ago i was working for this company where we would have to do testing once a month we would get um, a lot of freedom and autonomy in how in everything, but we had to do testing with real users once a month. And I remember, I, I don't recall what problem it was, but it was some sort of a small problem that uh, we tested. And one of the participants, <clears throat> I was in the in the room with her, and then in the other room, we'd have, in the observation room, we had the team just watching through a camera and all of that. And she got so frustrated, the participant got so frustrated for not being able to sort out this little task that we gave her, <clears throat> where she her face got red, she got angry. She got she got visibly frustrated to the point where she almost took it on me, uh, took it out on me. And obviously everyone else was looking from the other room. Anyway, we, we de-escalated the situation. We, we said, thank you, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I don't remember what problem it was but that problem was fixed and in production in one week, because everyone saw this is what design this is th- what design can do. It can, if it can anger someone like this in a that in that a set testing environment to that level. Yeah, surely we have more customers. We fixed that issue and launched it straight away, and that's. Something that I always think about whenever anyone questions or whenever everyone's not sure about, well, what's the value of spending so much money bringing customers and testing with them? Or That's the value. Not only the fact that you find issues and all that, but it brings the team together. The conversations that we had after that experience changed completely from, oh, here's what's next on the roadmap to how does this impact our users? It was It was insane just how much of a change that little experience, a little half an hour experience had on the rest of the team. And then from that point on, developers were advocating for design. It was, that change happened instantly. So Turning point, yeah. Yeah, turning point. So running experiments with real users where everyone, and and that's the thing, involve everyone in the team. Not you only you as a designer sitting behind a screen or in an observation room with, no, 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 involve everyone so everyone can see the impact of the work you're doing. And the moment people will see how frustrating your design can get, they'll start advocating for better design themselves. And That's a, a sweet spot right there. 100%. So <clears throat> one of the things that I mentioned in the beginning was the fact that you've got some experience with starting your own ventures. You mentioned it yourself earlier. And obviously, you know, you, you work for quite a few companies at, at the high level. So I think it'll be interesting to discuss a little bit. How have you seen your journey as an entrepreneur help you in your journey as a designer, maybe even the other way around?
1: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one to, to reflect on, to be honest. I think having to start your own business really you know you for for me it was it was all around trying to put all of my skills interests together into one thing i was really seeking something to go after but also really seeking it wasn't necessarily a sense of ownership but it was a sense of okay where am i in my in my life and where am where am i in my career because i've had such a varied career I, I i wanted to give myself a sense of purpose and that that's kind of why i ended up tackling yeah, all of those curiosities in in, in one reel, and it, it, it helped balance the, the craving that I kind of had. Um, but I also think that, so as you start to venture in, you start to try things, you try to try to kind of connect with your own beliefs that, you know, you do have to be quite pragmatic in a sense, because if it's your own money, <laughs> you know, if you're fortunate to be, it could be well-funded, then you, you'll still have to take quite a pragmatic view you have to be really responsible in terms of how you you're spending that money right to be able to grow the business or even kind of operate at a level that's you know cost effective right so you know i think you've got to take a real pragmatic view and and always double check with it with your own subjective views and actually go to do like really am i being am i taking this am i looking at this from from the right angle, and kind of always question yourself. You know, I think you, you've got to always, you've got to be quite self-critical in a way, but to the point where it isn't paralyzing. Uh, so, so hopefully being more pragmatic actually probably brings the best out in design. To be honest, I think you know, for forcing that critical thought, just to think about a change here, um, may may create a bit of a an uplift or. Maybe a change, change over here might time and and reduce the the amount of spend that you're that you're that you're literally spending. So kind of is that critical way of looking at things that I think is is extremely important if you're less maybe from the design perspective, a designer going into entrepreneurship, or you know, I think you can definitely, as a designer, you know, you can you can start something. I think you're quite confident of your own skill sets to be able to do that, and I think that's why you know we do have such, such successful designer founders out there. But I also think that when you're being kind of quite pragmatic, you have to start thinking about the longer term path of how you're going to create value for your end users. You know, you really need to start to think about what is the what is that lifetime value that you're trying to to to, to kind of create right what, what you know how much how much money are you able to generate from your product over that lifespan right so looking at okay you, you, we need to make money as a business and i think that you know that you you know you can't just survive otherwise so you need to think about you know what what is the revenue that you're going to be able to generate from from those From those users, and that's a balance of okay they will they will pay for the value that you give them, but you know generally over the lifespan, how much revenue're going to be able to generate, but then also looking at you know the that kind of lifespan, how long is that customer going to stay around and use your product and not switch to somebody else's product? How can you make that customer stick so looking at that lifetime value overall is a really, really important metric because then you can start it brings designs far closer to the world of business which helps you really understand the things you can do as a designer to be able to make your product stick around and give it the longevity that you've probably always wished it had. But you know, you know, I think that's the thing, right? If you, if you're, if you can balance out the commercial, like if you do have, if you have the funding, but you understand how the business side of things where you can you can really be quite pointed in terms of how you approach things as a designer but that pragmatic side helps you generate the growth of role and not only that you know if you can get towards the vision great but sometimes you don't always you will start with a smaller vision which will become grander and grander and grander over time and as with products as with people we change and i think you know our ambitions change as well So it's important to explain that
0: journey, I think, overall of entrepreneurship and how you want to grow. See, this hasn't been planned, I promise to everyone listening, but this has played so well into the point that I wanted to make your answer right there. Because to me, listening to you talk now, you didn't really talk like a designer. You talked like someone who cared about the business because you did. Because it was a business, right? Be- it's... Because that—that that was the intention, you know, to start right. something from scratch. Yeah, that's... right. So I find that people who have tried in the past to start something up, whether they've succeeded or not, that's less important. But it teaches you all those important aspects of being a designer, but without realizing, because because to me, being a designer is more aligned with or more similar to being a business person than it is to being an artist or, or anything else. So to me now, a lot of the stuff that you just said makes so much sense as a designer, because we have to do that on a daily basis. Yeah. And art is art is a business. You can never be a
1: successful artist if you if you don't know the business aspect of it. Just a little point there.
0: Oh, that's uh, <laughs> depends who you're asking. I guess not. I mean, I agree with you, but I guess there will be some views. poor artists somewhere in in some sort of corner of Paris that will probably disagree with you. But yes, that I see what true. you mean. That is very true. <laughs> so moving uh, on from entrepreneurship to a discussion that I, the reason I like to ask this question is because it really brings different perspectives from different people. There's no right or wrong answer here, but I want to talk about hiring designers, but more from the perspective of not not so much from a perspective of, of someone who hires but more from the perspective of someone who tries to get hired how do you especially when you're early on in your career maybe don't have a lot of uh, projects on your portfolio you don't you haven't got that experience just yet you haven't been through a lot of interviews the market is crazy right now for senior people but for junior people not so much how do you breakthrough. How do you get that the, the hardest job to get is the first one, right? So how do you increase your chances to succeed?
1: Yeah, so I think I think you find you find a lot of portfolios they, they talk they talk about a process. But and, and and that's all good. That's great. That's a great way of achieving the things that you you know you set out. But I think what's more important to me is the decisions that you made in that process so if, for, for me a, a designer that stands out is quite clear on okay we took this process because it actually helped us make this decision off the end of it or let's say we did this process and going back to the honesty and transparency the thing we tried didn't work so we ended up pivoting and going into a different direction those are all really interesting decision points and they're really they really help kind of as, as let's say you're viewing the portfolio reading through, it really helps you understand the mindset of the person and how they're able to really have a clear narrative to, to their work. It's not as it's superficial, it's more grounded. And I think that's really important for anybody kind of getting into design. I think that's, you know, that's very much from a junior perspective all the way up to a senior, senior level. But I think there's definitely things that if you're trying to break into the industry, you could even try maybe redesigning a product, but you need to tackle it from the point of view that actually there was a problem that you identified and you were making certain decisions to try and improve it because you're trying to fix something that you noticed as just as an observation from an existing product i think that's a you know good case studies like that help you break into the, the industry for sure i think that's really really good technique but I, I think also i think having so we spoke about vision having a clear vision and but clear steps on how to get there the small things that you did to help you realize a vision over time and if you don't necessarily have that experience again going back to the kind of the, the kind of using a case study is also a really really good place to start in terms of how you can explain the decisions you make in design to help create an impact for the product overall but also i think another thing that's probably quite important and quite probably harder to recognize is systems thinking and connecting dots i think that's a really hard skill to identify but you you do see that in people that really look at kind of a a task-focused way of working or even jobs to be done as a framework. If you've not heard of that, then that's a really good way to try and um, craft your thinking into task-driven work. But also, I think obviously, naturally, the craft is super important, right? You can't ever forget it. But I think what I what what really interests me more so than the craft, because I think everybody can have exceptional craft to the point where, you know, if if they're in an, in an interview, they've they've been successful enough with their craft to get the interview. But I think the the most important underlying messages are are definitely the decision making, right? It's having taking small steps, not big steps, because. The impact of taking a big step in a team or a big change means it's either going to take more time. And if the product teams are going to look at it, they're looking at it from a practical view of saying it's going to cost more money because it's going to take more energy to do it and, and, and more effort. So it's someone that's able to understand that making small changes will add up to a bigger change overall. And I think it's the, that, that kind of slow patient approach to, to, to design that really helps, um, me understand that the, the mindset where they come from and, and where they are in their in their stage of their career i think people that have shipped stuff as well right it's it's you want you want people that have actually done the work um let i mean harder if you're starting out in the industry but i think uh it, to, another way to counter that is someone that's been quite self-starter so it's quite self-efficient and has just got something out there, even, even if, if it just be a portfolio, a website portfolio, some, just an approach to actually shipping something, just you, you know that something can be delivered, which is, you know, at the end of the day, one of the key things that we need to do if we're gonna show an impact, we need to show the work that we've shipped.
0: So yes, yeah, so a number of th- quite a number of things really that, that stand out for me. And to talk about standing out, uh, when you get to an interview, how do you put your best foot forward? What impresses you as someone who's hiring when someone comes in at a whatever level and then they do something that really impressed you that's stuck with you that you remember years later or a- a- any stories of that kind
1: i think pe- people that um people that are quite self aware i think is is super important because if you're self aware just you you know you can have an honest conversation with somebody um at at, at some point right it it makes it make if if someone that's more self aware is more more likely to have a better fit with an organisation or or a team. They they know that maybe certain ways of behaviour are not the right way to behave because it it will generate conflict and and conflict is not just a good it's not a good thing to have right for everybody. And so like I think generally someone who's really really self aware is just super 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 important. But someone who's really got a very clear opinion of what of what they're looking for. When you're interviewing, it's a two-way street, right? Don't if you want something in particular and it's you're not going to get that from this role because it's just not the right shape, it's not the right um, kind of work that interests you. Be honest, because there could be something else within the 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 company that you're working for, or you, they there could be. A, a role that is just a, you know that the better fit for your skill set and your interests. I think that that's what's really important is is finding something that's going to work well for both. Um, is is when the kind of the magic starts to happen in companies, right? That's because everyone's aligned. Everyone knows exactly what they want, and that and and that's where you're going to get really excited about the work that you do. So I think that's probably some things that I look for is it's just that honesty is someone that you can say well I'm not quite sure this is the right thing for me because that always will prompt another conversation oh yeah okay yeah I can see your perspective maybe I can go away and have a conversation with somebody else and see if there's a benefit somewhere else one thing leads to the next and I think just taking that open-minded approach is actually quite quite a good approach to take in general
0: yeah I also think that what ends up happening naturally when you say yes to a role that wasn't really right for you in the first place is one of two things either you're going to be staying there for a while and be miserable that's not going to help help you grow yeah yeah exactly you're not getting any better anytime soon or you're gonna (laughs) join and leave six months in which again to no benefit of to you to no benefit to the company you i can't really say you've wasted your time but but in a way, you could have been in a place that was better for you, right? So in a way, yeah, you have wasted some time by being in the wrong place. So, I, I have been through that myself, saying yes to the wrong roles, and I can guarantee that it's no path to happiness.
1: No, I think we've all we've all been there. We've all been there, I think. And I, you know, you need to find you need to make those mistakes to find out who you are,
0: of what interest you're into. Um, yeah. So let's talk about it. I think I think this is yeah. very interesting. You've made that mistake. I've made that mistake. I think a lot of people have made that mistake. How would you approach that search now, knowing what makes you tick and what types of role you would enjoy versus how you would do it previously?
1: Yeah, the way I've approached it, how I found myself at at, at Shopify, I found myself um, naturally just quite attracted to commercial. And, you know, I having worked in the mortgage lending sector and credit cards, I, re- I realised that I really enjoy commercial companies. Quite proud to say that in a strange way, because for me, that's what I get really excited about. Um, it, and also it, it, it helps me really apply the thought process of putting impact against a measure and you know, really starting to connect design to business and, and, and you've got, you know, all of the commercial aspects around, around that space, which for me, you know, it's, it's, it's a dreamy place. It's such a crazy place to, to be right. Cause there's so much things that you can do as a designer, but it's just trying to figure out the right thing at the right time. I think, cause timing's really important to things as well and and so for me i I found myself gravitating more towards that but i think again that's through experience right you you have to be able to find yourself the things that you you're interested in the sector that really makes you you happy is super important and i say happy in a sense that i mean rewarding you know you, you you have to get something back from it so that you know, something that's going to really get you out of bed. You know, you've got to stay true to yourself and 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 know the work that you're doing is is doing having an impact or creating value somewhere. What that value means, whether it be for a customer or whether it be for a business, is something that I think you really need to dig into. And you will, at some point early on in your career, get that job. You thought about why did I take this job um yep. <laughs> you may not but there's always a reason why you switch from one job to the next and and i think right. it's it's all around trying to find that that thing that you crave and i'd like to think at some point i would love to start another business um because the amount of ideas that flood your brain or my brain um constantly is something that i really yeah i, I, I cherish that but i also try to kind of level that off because I think having that constantly is a bit of a dangerous curse <laughs> right it's all about
0: balance <laughs> isn't it
1: it's a balance yeah it's a balance yeah
0: all right David I had two more questions for you the ones that I ask everyone at the end of the show so uh, the first one is what is one soft skill that you wish more designers would possess
1: um, a soft skill I think it very much just being able to ask us very very open questions um i thought i thought you were going to say self-awareness so self-awareness has <laughs> always gone. Well we covered that one um yeah. but yeah i think just just generally how to start a conversation just ask a question i think more often than not i have seen there's some you know designers starting companies and they stay quite quiet and you do you should be feel feel quite confident or feel quite open enough to be able to just ask any question and so that's what yeah. i generally trying to do i really encourage that, that aspect of people make a list of questions if, if you don't know how to even approach it just list out some questions and you use that as a as a nice kind of guiding path for you to just start the conversation and just at least have one question right um yeah. to be able to start start conversations
0: cool so ask more questions that's that's the soft ask more questions the other one is what's one piece of advice that has changed your career for the better um great i think
1: for me i think the, the the best advice i've had is to the people that you're, you're you're having conversations with is really understand the things they're trying to achieve and how you can help so really really when you're talking about forming alliances really really yeah ask the questions uh, but or find the opportunities to be able to help somebody and create a stronger trust overall in a team. For me, it's it's an excellent way to operate. It, it, it helps you form a very early kind of bond and build that trust from the very very beginning. And hopefully, you'll be able to you'll become a go to person. I think that's the thing. The more you help, the more of a go to person you become. The more trusted sure. you become, and and generally, that's how you will. Start to have more of an impact in, in in your role and feel a little bit more rewarded. And you know, no one's going to come running to you straight away when you're when you're new in a company. People are going to be more curious about you and kind of maybe a little bit hesitant. <laughs>
0: <For sure. laughs> but yeah.
1: you know, don't re- remove that hesitancy or you know how start those conversations in an open way and and people will naturally start to come to you. And I think that's kind of a a great way to to
0: live life. Uh, that's also a great way to end the show. I think that was, that was pretty good, (laughs) David, any last words? Where can people find you? Where can they get in touch with you? Any of that?
1: Yeah, well I mean, hit me up on LinkedIn. For some reason I find it that's my home. I love following LinkedIn. It's crazy. Yeah, so you know, if you want to connect on LinkedIn, let's let's have a chat. Uh, it'd be good to good to chat, see where see what's happening in your life and in your career. I love having conversations. So do let's connect. And if anyone's interested in looking for a career change or looking for that next step, do reach out and uh send me a message.
0: All right. We're gonna put all of that in the show notes so people can easily find you. David, this has been A massive pleasure. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show and um, we will uh, be in touch. We'll speak soon.
1: Super stuff. Thank you so much for having me, Christian.
0: That's a wrap for today. I hope you found this episode useful and that you've learned something that you're ready to implement at work tomorrow. If you've enjoyed this as always, it would mean the world to me if you'd share it with your community, if you'd leave a review, and of course, if you'd remember to tune in for the next one. Peace.